welcome to the Irish Pagan School podcast. Your hosts are authors and co-founders of the Irish Pagan School here in County Waterford, Ireland, Laura O'Brien and John O'Sullivan. Falcha. Back the ebook is Falcha. Hi, hello and welcome. It's John O'Sullivan from the Irish Pagan School and we're here with this morning's Coffee Thoughts and Coffee Chats. So I'm trying to be on brand. I'm, you know, I just want to drink coffee and read mythology because that's where our story comes from today. That's where our conversation comes from today. Um, I did a video not so long ago about the relationship between the Dagda and the Morrigan. And someone popped in to ask a question, which I thought was really worth exploring, which is why I'm going to do my best to speak to it there today. And the question is, do Dagda people and Morrigan people attract? So the individual um, works for the Morgan, follows the Morgan, is a devotee of the Morgan uh, in some aspect or in the aspects of their life. And they got into a relationship with someone and, and, you know, it was a good relationship. They were enjoying the relationship. And it was only a while into the relationship that they talked about their spirituality and realized that this individual that they were in a relationship with is a Dagda person. And so it struck them as like the Dagda, the Morrigan, this kind of relationship, you know, does it happen? So they popped into the question and they asked. So I think in order to to kind of contextualize a little bit first, we need to kind of look at the Dagda and the Morrigan's relationship. So what we have from the mythology, from the Irish lore, is a section of the second battle of Moitura, which dictates that relationship. And it's a bit of an odd one. And I'll be honest with you, when I first read it, um i had i had some figuring out to do i had some own personal stuff because my journey started um exploring the dagda stories and writing the dagda stories rewriting and um, the mythology I, I i started for myself like i literally did it for me and it was only laura was like these are really good stories you should put them in a blog and make them available to people and suddenly i'm now on skelly bug two books published of Dagda mythology and Dagda stories, both modern and past, or retelling of the past stories. Um, but one of the stories actually staggered me a little bit. I was like, how can I tell this story? Like, how can I get to this without it being weird? Um, and it's the story of the couple's Ford. Um, I did eventually write the story. It caused me a little bit of a writer's block, but I eventually had to recontextualize what is a relationship in my mind um, to get to that. So what we have anyway in the story, in the second battle of Moitura from the mythological cycle of Irish lore, we have this pending invasion of the Fomorian army. So to kind of preamble a, a preface a little bit, um, we have the failed King Bresh, who was deposed and Nuda took the seat of the king back from him. Um, the, that king, Bress, being half a Morian, went to his former ancestry and incited war against the Tuatha Danann. So the Tuatha Danann know this invasion is coming. So Nuda is sitting in Tara. Lu comes in, the Ildonach, he of many talents and many skills, many interlinked skills. Um, and then they decide that Lu should be the king. So Lou goes to the seat of the king and Nuda kind of gathers up the men like Dinket, Gwivnu, the Dagda, Oma and himself. And they go and have a council. And this is a year long council. And it's the them kind of talking about how is war going to happen? War is going to happen. But how is the how are they going to do? What are they going to do? What What is everyone going to bring to the table to ensure that the two of the Danon come out on top? And so 
they go through this meeting, and it's referred to as the meeting of the men of the goddess. And um, after that meeting, the Daita leaves the meeting because he knows he needs more information. And so he goes and journeys across Ireland to meet the woman. And what's interesting in the lore is she's referred to as the woman. So he travels away from this meeting, this war council of the all of the, the greater notables across Ireland and goes to the River Unchin. Um, and at, at a ford on the River Unchin, and this is what the actual story says, he approaches the ford on the River Unchin and he comes upon a woman standing in the, in the ford with one leg on one side and one leg on the other side. And she is washing herself. She's, she's cleaning herself. Um, and so it says that he stops and he watches her. And then eventually when she's clean, he comes to her and they couple in the ford. And then the, that the, the, that ford on the River Unchin is then from then on known as the couple's ford. Um, at which point she imparts upon him the knowledge, the prophecy uh, and the awareness of where the Fomorians are going to land in Ireland. And that then sets up the next part of the tale where the Dagda goes to spy on them and trying to find out what force they're actually facing. So. She's referred to as the woman in all of it, but then there's a small little section just at the end, just to finish it off. They couple, they have the union in the Ford, and they're referred to as a couple. It is a union of a couple, a married couple in essence. Uh, and then it says, and the woman is the Morgan. So this is what we have in regards to the, the relationship with the Morgan. Now, of course, when we first read that, we have this guy coming across a woman on a Ford and perving on her. <laughs> In essence, like my my first contextualization of this tale was like, okay, he's standing and voyeuristically watching a woman wash herself, um, and of course I'm at this point working on my relationship with the Dagda, and I have built this connection with him, and he's like, you need to write this story, and I'm like, I don't think I can write this story because it's about sexy times with you and the Morrigan, so of course, bashful, blushful, trying to figure it all out, um. Eventually, I had to, as I said, recontextualize the entire circumstance, and I learned how to break down what is relationship and how to break down sex in relationship or sex not as part of a relationship. Because for me, that section of the tale isn't about sex. It's about them coming together as a couple. So if we look at the Dagda following him in the story, he comes upon a woman and he like stays and he watches her wash herself. If we flip the story, if we flip the perspective, we have the Morrigan goes to this ford of the Unch and stands on either side and goes through her ritual of cleansing, her, 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 her cleaning of herself. That's what she does in this liminal space in between two sides because she's literally one foot on either bank with a water flowing in between. So it's, it's full of otherworldly kind of imagery right there and liminality and power. Um, and the Morrigan is a goddess of prophecy. The God, like she has future vision. She knows where, what's going to happen, when things are going to happen. So if we think for a moment that she was not aware of the Dagda coming to meet her at the Ford, then we're doing injustice to the Morrigan. If we think for a moment that she was not 100% clued in to the fact that he arrived, he's over there behind that bush watch, watching, okay, <laughs> like we're doing injustice to the Morrigan if we don't think she is 100% informed, aware, and on board and consenting with this. And again, when he steps out, they have their union. They have their union in the fort. And it is a relationship. It is this um, reconnection of, of couple. And they are a married couple. They are a wedded couple of equals. 
Um, so that's what we have in the story about them being a wedded couple. You know, it is very much acknowledged 100% that they are a union, um, but also that they're a union of equals in that, you know, we know that the Dagda has other relationships. We know that the Morrigan has other relationships. Um, oh, just to be clear, just because the Morrigan had sex in the story doesn't make, make the Morrigan a sex goddess. Okay, let's let's cards on table here. This interaction is an interaction between two deities coupling as a union and as a married wedded couple. It's not about sex. Um, in fact, this, I wrote when I eventually got around to writing the story on it, I realized there are so many ritual aspects to what's happening here. You know, the liminality of the space, her kind of going through a cleansing and preparing for it. And then their union, their exchange or their interaction as a couple, as a as a partnership, the exchange of energy that goes along with a sexual act, not about sex, which then gives her what she needs to move into this place of prophecy to then tell the Dagda what's coming for the people of Ireland, for the two of the Danon in this instance. So, again... If we, the act of sex is not about procreation always. It's not about, you know, um, like sexual gratification always. Sometimes it is about energetic exchange. But also, equally, it could be about two people who just love each other and like to express that in a physical manner. So um, just because the Dagda has sex with the Morrigan and the Morrigan has sex with the Dagda doesn't mean either of them are sex gods. OK, um, in the Irish context, there is no God of X, God of Y. You know, we had this contextualized. Well, Lou was described as sun face. So he's obviously a God of the sun or the Dagda is like, you know, like digs the trenches of Rathbresh. So obviously he's an earth God. You know, it, it doesn't fit with those things. The two of the Danon, like Lou Ildonok, he of many interlinked talents is good for pretty much anything. The Dagda, when he lists out his power, um, when he picks, takes up the power of life and death in the, sta the staff or the club, lists out his authority over sun, moon, earth, sea. You know, he has authority over reality in, in so many of those ways. And um, not sky, because he's not a sky father. You see the other video. Um, so there's all of this kind of information going on around it and the the relationships that they actually have. So they're not just monotask. This is the God of love or goddess of love or whatever. Um, so just because someone has sex doesn't mean they're a sex god. In the same way, just because someone has sex doesn't make them a sex worker. Now, again, we support sex workers. Sex work is work. You know, there should be more regulation. There should be more support. There should be more acknowledgement and care for people who work in the sex industry. Um, but that is a conversation for another day. So, Bringing it back to this Dagda and the Morrigan. So we have this part of the story. We know they're a wedded couple. Like we know they're a union of equals. So as much as we have all of the powers of the Dagda, if they're a union of equals, they're equal. So all the powers of the Morrigan are in equal to the powers of the Dagda. Like they might not be the same powers, you know, but it's not un unacceptable to consider that they are in equal. They are a union of equals. Um, so this then brings in like the the character of each of them, you know, the, the prophecy, the battle, the poetry, you know, um, the Morrigan stance on justice, the Morrigan stance on um, order and the way things need to be managed and maintained. Um, 
but then also the DAG that stands on hospitality, care and compassion um, on emotional intelligence when we look at the him playing the music that moves people through emotion. So there is a lot of different character attributes that kind of come along with that. So those that make them opposites attracting, they're not opposites, they're equal attracting. And again, they're equal consenting attracting, as we have seen in the story. So now that we've contextualized <laughs> the relationship, and that, that's what we have about the Dagda and the Morrigan uh, as a couple. Does that mean that Dagda people and Morrigan people attract? Um, yes and no. <laughs> in my personal experience, I'm a Dagda person. Laura is a Morrigan person. But Laura has been a Morrigan person for decades. I have been a Dagda person for a decade. Um, acknowledging that relationship in me. Um, I've done videos about my past, about how I met the gods and how I began my journey, figuring out my relationship with them. And as much as people might say, oh, you've always had that Dagda influence in your life. There are people who look at me and they're like, yep, that's 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 that a Dagda shape right there. Um, that's not always the case. So we, Laura and myself, began our relationship before I acknowledged the Dagda as a deity. In fact, in, in my story, uh, the origin stories of our relationship, I heard the name Dagda through Laura. Essentially, the Dagda had to bother the fuck out of a Morrigan priest, Laura, to say his name out loud in my presence, in my company, so that I would then have a name to put to the perceived energy that had been hovering patiently, oh, so patiently around me um, for years. So it's not a case in my experience that you have to be a Dagda person to be connected to a Morgan person. I know many people, I know a very successful couple over in Oakland, California, and they're both Morgan people, um, like Morpheus and Brenos. They're amazing. They're beautiful people. They have a fantastic relationship, um, and they're both Morgan people. You know, I know many people who, you know, are Lou people who are connected with other relationships. There's like, it, so... Hello, this is Laura Ryan, and I want to make sure that you get access to our free gift for you, which is the Roots and Reverence Ancestral Connection Toolkit. So this is a five-day guided exploration, which will be delivered to you free over email series, and it's as enlightening as it is grounding. It's designed for anyone who feels a kinship with Irish paganism, whether you carry Ireland in your blood, your heart, or the soul memories of lifetime past. There is no cost, only the promise of authentic connection to Ireland, as ever from us. So go to irishpagan.school forward slash roots, that's R-O-O-T-S, to get your ancestral connection toolkit. And again, it's all free, delivered free over five days. There's resources, there's exercises, there's connections, there's all sorts of cool stuff. So I hope you enjoy that. It is our free gift to you for being a valued podcast member. So back to the episode. Your deities don't have to define your relationships. And that's what I get to, really. And now I do know some people, and I have met some Oregon people in my time who need a bit of dag the balance. Um, and I, I've I've kind of had conversations with them. I, I haven't like it's not a relationship. I've not established relationships, but I have friendships with many Morgan people. 
And some Morgan people have actually said to me, is like, I was in a, an absolute spin of imbalance. And next thing you know, suddenly there's John and it begins to settle and it begins to make sense. Or some part of my stories that I wrote or some part of the the community service or these videos kind of connects with them and resonates with them. And suddenly they find an element of Dagda balance in their life that, you know, helps them or they find that the Dagda is present or available to be present for them should they need his influence. But not every Morrigan person needs a Dagda influence. So let's let's be fair on that. Um, so the reason why I wanted to kind of tackle this as well is that it links to another aspect of um, neo-pagan spirituality, which can be very problematic. And it is this idea of a divine couple. Um, the Dagda and the Morrigan are both divine. The Dagda and the Morrigan are both are a couple, but the Dagda and the Morrigan are not a divine couple as stipulated or defined by neo-pagan ritual practice. Um, and I think the reason why, like, again, there's nothing wrong with the act of sexuality as part of an expression, as an energetic exchange, as a spiritual exchange, as a ritual act. Um, th- again, I'm not against that. But it is about making sure that whatever way you're defining these things, you're defining them in an inclusive manner. Because the moment that you get into the toxic elements of divine couple, suddenly you're gendering aspects into male, female, and you're you're endorsing or encouraging a binary. And we're not a binary. We don't exist on a binary. Um, sexual expression, identity, gender, all of these things are, are, are a spectrum. And there are multiple different ways to express it. And all of them done consensually and respectfully are natural, normal and healthy, healthy or can be natural, normal and healthy. So. This area of the divine couple I have come across and it can be very exclusionary to people who are asexual, you know, or people who are pansexual or people who um, don't conform or don't like, you know, well, conform is the wrong word, don't see themselves or don't feel that they can connect with a binary dynamic like that. And that's why I chose to wear this T-shirt, because love, love is love. And it actually says, then the bottom love is for everyone. Uh, And so, again, love doesn't have to be sex and sex doesn't have to be love. Those things don't have to be built in. Like I was raised in good old Catholic Ireland, you know, I was raised with like no sex before marriage. And, you know, sex is something you do to have kids. And that's the way it is, you know. I was raised with sexual repression um, and I was born in 1981, you know, so uh, it's not that far away. And so we need to grow as a, okay, culturally speaking, we need to grow and we need to be having more dialogue and more discourse around it, which is why, again, sex workers work, you know, sex workers need to be supported, need to be like taken care of and need to be not criminalized. You know, they refer to as the oldest profession ever. Okay, because that's a function of our human species condition. So why should it be taboo? Why should it be criminalized? Why should it be something that exposes people to harm? Um, because and, and again, other narratives around it. If we kind of force this unhealthy, like unhealthy kind of dialogue or conversation around the act of sex and sex work, or even just the act of sex itself, suddenly it leads to all of those other 
difficulties that we get around sexual expression and unhealthy sexual expression um, from women being the, the the gatekeepers of sex and men have to pursue and woo and kind of like achieve sex as a trophy from a woman, whereas the woman is then perceived as, a, you know, demeaned because they have sex, whereas a guy is lauded because he has sex. All of that is fucking bullshit. But all of that comes from this allowance to mystify or taboo the act of sex you know it is doesn't have to be in a couple doesn't have to not be in a couple doesn't have to be with someone love like you don't have to have love in sex you can have love with sex you can have love without sex you know all of these things are not okay i'm realizing i'm getting into a different kind of spin around it but it, it is something we need to be more aware of in my opinion and it is something that we as a species should really just get the fuck over ourselves on, you know, and not be awarding one aspect of our society or our species for achieving this goal and criminalizing or demeaning another aspect of our, another part of our society or our species for like achieving this goal or for experiencing this act. So getting back on topic, thank the people, Morgan people, do they attract well do why do any people attract like you know i've known as i said many morgan people who find the the comfort find the steady calming you know hospitable warm you know aspect of the dag that is very comforting for them and they do find that in partners and in relationships whether that partner is dag affiliated or not um so i have met let me see. How many Dag the Martin couples do I actually know? Probably about three. Uh, actually, four, including this person who mentioned, uh, who mentioned, who started the comments and started this conversation. Now, I know loads of fucking people. <laughs> I know loads of couples. So, like, but again, I don't know for sure that they are or are not Morgan and Dag aligned. But I know that like those now four, um, including me and Laura. <laughs> so it's not that you're always going to find a mate with a dagged person and a Morgan person. Um, and just because you're a Morgan person and a dagged person doesn't mean you're falling into some special esoteric deity based endorsed relationship dynamic. Um, because unfortunately I've had that too. And this is where we get into the difficulty of, People pursuing partners, not for their partner, but for what that person fulfills in themselves. You know, I'm a Leo. So obviously some other astrological star signs will find me more attractive than I will find them. Or, you know, that we will like, okay, like there may be influences, there may be information around that. But really what it comes down to in relationships, you need to pursue someone uh, and pursue a relationship with someone who whose unique completeness supports and inspires and like raises the passion of your unique completeness. Um, far too many times I've met people and it's like, okay, well, you're only in this relationship. And actually in my own past, I had a relationship where someone pursued the relationship with me purely to fulfill absences or gaps in their own existence. And the moment that I was no longer conforming to exactly what they wanted to fit in these areas or these gaps in their existence, the relationship ended explosively. <laughs> so um, do Morgan people and Dag the people attract? Do, why do any people attract? 
Um, I have come across some people who have those relationships and those dynamics, but I wouldn't say that it is the way that things should be pursued. I think, you know, pursue an honest, full, complete relationship with yourself first. And then when you're in the the right, most healthiest balance of sense of self, you'll find the right, healthiest balance partner or partners or anyone else um, who will, you know, raise your life to a new level, hopefully, who will share in this fantastic, weird existence that is life. Um, and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, finding someone who makes you smile, finding someone who supports you no matter what and who you support no matter what, finding someone who isn't work, um, but also isn't afraid to work with you. So uh, this has turned into a relationship advice and sex talk with John O'Sullivan, which wasn't my intention. But again, who's to say maybe this is the actual conversation that needed to be had. Maybe some aspect of this is something that someone needed to hear. So, um, yeah, do dying to people admire the people attract? Maybe yes, maybe no. What it is, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I could say any more on that without kind of completely going off into a London tangent. So maybe I should just take another sip of my coffee, maybe go and read some more mythology, and say, Gaurav Milamagas, thank you very, very much for being with me for this ch coffee chat there today. Do look after yourself. Do take care. And um, remember, you're a unique expression of life in this reality. So, you know, honor that, respect that. And, you know, eventually and you, you will find a partner who honors and respects that as reciprocally and balanced as it can be for you. And uh, yeah, don't compromise. Don't compromise on yourself. Don't compromise on your your wishes. The, the right partner will meet you where you are and love you for every aspect or every element of who and what you are. Um. And not all love lasts forever. And that doesn't invalidate the fact that it did exist in the first place. So, gosh. Okay. Any more, <laughs> any more anecdotes, cliches, or acronyms? Maybe find me in the next video to do so. Um, as ever, Gaurav Mahagas, thank you very much for being with us at the Irish Pagan School. There is um, the, the resource guide. It's still there, still available for anyone taking the classes in the Irish Pagan School. So you can go through and like target the learning you want to go through and follow up on. Um, and actually, I should probably find that link to the story I wrote about the couples forward. So I'll probably try to enter the description as well. Um, if anyone is interested in that, you can read John's retelling of the interaction between the Dagda and the Morrigan at the couples forward on the River Anjan. So until then, look after yourself, take care and goodbye. Slot. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review in your podcast listener. Then head over to irishpaganschool.com and enroll in one of our free or paid courses. Slonga full and we will see you next time.